Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. All right, I'm here today with Barbara Harris and she and I met online on on Facebook and she's from Canada and has been living in Mexico for nine years, I believe you said. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, Barbara, I, I would love for you to tell me about your overseas life uh, redesign um, journey and how that kind of came about. If you've lived other places uh, outside of Canada before, or if this was your first, first time living overseas. Um, no, it's not my first time, actually. When I was in my 20s, I lived in Australia for... A couple of years, which was lots and lots and lots of fun, but uh, came back home and lived in British Columbia, Canada for a while, and then went back to Toronto, which was my home base, and I stayed there for a few more years, and then I ended up back in BC, and in BC, that's where I met my husband, and then we um, made this trip down here, and so we've been here in Mexico nine years now. Right. And um, you told, I think you told me you're about 30 minutes north of Puerto Vallarta. Is that, is that right? Yes. In a town called Busarias. Yes. Okay. So, it's a wonderful little beach town, although we're on the mountainside of the highway where it's a little more quiet because <laughs> Mexico doesn't tend to be quiet. If you're looking for a quiet place to retire, you know, Mexico might not be it, but everything else is perfect here, but quiet isn't it's charm. <laughs> right. And, and, um, so that's not the first place you've lived in Mexico. I know when we, we talked uh, initially, you actually have lived in quite a few different places in Mexico. Yes, correct. Yeah. Can you take so, us through that journey and kind of, kind of tell me, you know, what you liked, what you didn't like? Um, cause there's a lot of folks that are looking at Mexico, but they're not really quite sure where they want to go. So I think hearing your story might be really helpful. All right, so we started in Puerto Morelos, which is halfway between Cancun and Playa del Carmen, and it's right on the beach, and the beach there is spectacular, and the swimming is wonderful because it doesn't have the great big huge waves. So we loved it there, but it was quite a small town, and then the other towns were very big and touristy, so we were looking for something a little bit more in between, even though we loved it there. One day it rained while we were on our month's vacation there to check it out. And we watched House Hunters International. <laughs> and we learned about Merida. <laughs> okay. Fun. So we decided to rent a car for a week. And we drove to Merida. And we lined up a realtor. And he showed us the beautiful colonial homes in Merida, which nine years ago were extremely affordable. I haven't really checked that real estate out recently, but you could get a two beautiful two-bedroom 
colonial for like 110,000 US dollars fully furnished and it was gorgeous. Wow. Having said that, when we drove into Merida, even though I loved it, I was just moved from the Vancouver area in British Columbia and it was like hustle, bustle, buses, busy streets and that wasn't what I was looking for. So the realtor took us out to Progresso and uh, to the beach area out there and showed us two or three homes out there. And my poor husband, he's always afraid when I get an idea. <laughs> Yours too, huh? <laughs> yeah. So uh, as we were driving in the car on the way back to Merida after we'd been out looking at these beach homes, I said to him, you know, that last villa we looked at, we could go home, sell everything up, buy that, retire early, and we could afford to live here. I've just figured it all out in my head. And my husband's like, how can you do that in your head? <laughs> so, well, I know what our income is. I just figured out what the expenses are in that. And my analyzing husband said to me, oh, okay, then let's do it. And I nearly had a heart attack because actually I count on him analyzing things. Oh, I get you. I get that. I get that. <laughs> Making sure we're going to be safe. So anyway, uh, we uh, went to bed in the hotel that night. I woke up in the morning and he says to me, you know, you're right. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I got out the computer and our spreadsheet from home and did the expenses. He says, but I need to tell you you're out a hundred bucks. I said, a hundred bucks. He says, yeah, to the good. He said, we've got an extra hundred bucks a month. So we said, okay, let's do it. So we phoned our realtor in Canada. And fortunately, we just made the move from the big house and the big garage and the big yard to a nice two-bedroom condo. So we had our realtor put that on the market while we were still down there. We put an offer in on the place in, in uh, Progresso, which is half an hour from Merida, right, right on the ocean. And the villa that we, were look, that we put the offer in on was one block from the beach and 10 small villas in a little closed-in area. Anyway, it all went through. Seven months later, we packed up in Canada we drove down and here we are and here then we were there in Progresso and um, we bought a beautiful two bedroom, two bathroom uh, villa with its own private swimming pool for 140,000 Canadian fully furnished. So we were pretty happy with that. Wow. Yeah. Sounds so, great. Yeah. So we did a lot of renos. Over the year, we put a waterfall in our little pool and we extended the palapa upstairs so we had a living room, dining room, kitchen and a bathroom up there. Um, we loved it. We loved it. But I'm a gypsy. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds idyllic. And what happened? You left. Well, after four years, there were you know, a handful of different things. And one of the big things was my husband's from British Columbia and he loves the mountains and the scenery and the ocean and everything. And even though we had the ocean, we were like, it's flat in Merida. It's and Progresso. It's flat, 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 flat. Yucatan flat. period is flat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the prairies, you know, you could shoot a gun and then it would drop. Plus that area tends to be a lot hotter. So with, with, Having said that, we made the decision to do a little bit of traveling around. 
So we sold our place, but we had made a commitment to a fundraiser. I was the MC, and my husband was the end, uh, doing a little entertainment. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the one where he was, um, anyway, it doesn't matter, but a comedy type thing, Elvis oh, or okay. something. Oh, okay. I was going to, I was like dying to know. I'm like, what does he, what does he do? <laughs> I think actually that's the one where we tied the towel on his head and put the flowers and he sang with the fruit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen Miranda style? <laughs> he did Carmen Miranda. Anyway, okay. so we had three months or four months before we, we the fundraiser. So it gave me time to sort of scout around and find someplace else we wanted to go. And we stayed in Chubana and Chicxulub, which is two of the um, beach towns either side of Progresso, a lot smaller than Progresso. Uh-huh. And those were fun, and we enjoyed them. And uh, it sort of tempted me almost to stay there, uh-huh. but we had a lot of friends there. That was the hardest part was we had made so many amazing friends. You never spent a holiday alone, or if you were sick, your friends showed up with dinners and whatever. So that was the hardest part was leaving the friends. Sure. So we did um, I think it was uh, January, February. I think it was February. We headed in the direction to come west, and we took four days, and we drove through the Yucatan and around Mexico City. We don't like driving through Mexico City, and over here through Guadalajara, we spent our last night on the road in Guadalajara with our two rescue puppies, and we ended up in Bucerías in a place called Los Arroyos Verdes which is a little bit inland uh, from the ocean. Like it's, it's a 10 minute drive to the beach. So it's not like far away, Uh but the lady purchased this acreage and turned it into uh, a botanical garden basically. And then built all these little houses in there. So, and it's pet friendly and has a beautiful big swimming pool. So, and you pay one rent and everything's included because one of the things that we found, and I'm sure you have down here is electricity is Mm -hmm. one of the great expenses, you know, especially run air conditioning and that type of thing. So we stayed there for five months and it was quite wonderful. We didn't think we were quite ready for communal living. And I had this vision probably from the movie (laughs) of living in a cute, quaint little small Mexican town. Okay. So we had a little dinner party, and one of the gentlemen then said, there said, oh, I have a house in a little town called La Desembocada, which is about 15 minutes from the main highway that runs up the coast here. So we went and looked at it, and it was, um, it was a big house and great outdoor space, and the price was 600 Canadian dollars, which was phenomenal. Right. I know like crazy. So we decided to give it a go. So we moved in there for seven months. But there was, first of all, you have this vision of this really cute little Mexican town. Okay, tons and tons of dogs, donkeys, chickens, horses and mules, loose, running around, that do their business where they please. (laughs) Sure, sure. So my husband ended up not even walking the dogs because it was just not nice. Gotcha. So I tried going to some of the little local stores to buy things. And I guess we're really spoiled as Canadians because the things just weren't the quality of what I was 
happy with, let's say. So even though the price was great and it was a good size home and it had nice outdoor space, we found nearly every day we were getting up and going into town to visit friends somewhere. Oh, yeah. At least, at least four days a week, if not five. So one day we were in the marina and uh, we had seen this ad for this condo that was for sale. And so we went and we looked at it and it was right on the golf course. And uh, two bedrooms, two bathrooms on the third floor overlooking the golf course with the big high vaulted ceilings. We're both tall, so that's important to us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we decided to jump in, buy it, and renovate. Okay. Our realtor was great. He recommended a fabulous uh, contractor who we we were going to do the kitchen and a few little things around. We ended up gutting the whole damn place. (laughs) You don't know that story at all, do you? Um, yeah. <laughs> so we ended up gutting the whole place, and, and uh, I had a built-in cement bathtub, which I'd always wanted, and the little glass sparkly tiles all around me in my bathroom, and it was really quite beautiful when we were done. Unfortunately, I ran into some health issues and hip problems, couldn't do the three floors with no elevator, so we sold. Gotcha. So we went back to Los Arroyos Verdes because we knew it was affordable and everything was included. And we took one of the bigger suites. And we were there a year and decided we just weren't ready for communal living. Wasn't really our cup of tea. Even though I'm 69 and my husband is 75, I don't know when we're going to be ready for communal living, but we weren't. So... I get that. I mean, I, I totally get that. It's a, it is a different um, mindset. It's a different, um, it's, a, it's right. a different environment. Yeah. So I was on Facebook one day and I saw this property that we're on now and it was only about three minute drive from where we were. And it's a really interesting property, Don. The, the owners um, used to own this acreage, which was a mango farm. And there was the mom and the dad and about seven kids. And dad died young, leaving mom with seven kids. So they continued to have the mango farm. And whatever money she had extra, she bought properties in our little town of Buceria. She was very smart. And by the time she passed, all her kids, but the one daughter that she lived with still on one of the casitas on the property, and her other daughter who owned the house that we're in now, Uh, were left and they had divided the property up and made 20 good-sized lots and um, Canadians and Americans and some Mexicans and one Italian (laughs) (laughs) lots and built wonderful homes. Now the home we're in was the Mexican daughter and so we don't have a wall around us like most of the homes in our area. We have like a fence and gates and whatever so we're protected but not like with a big wall and it's a fairly big lot and we have a casita on it and a swimming pool on it and we have a games area where we can play bocce and horseshoes so it suited our lifestyle a lot better than being in like a townhouse and in you know that type of living style so we've been here 11 months now oh not bad okay wow 
We absolutely, positively love it. Ah. And, um, we're a five-minute drive. We go out to the main road from here, which is like a minute. And then we're like six minutes, depending on the light, because it's a four-minute light. Right. <laughs> so six to ten minutes to get to the beach. And then we can drive right down that road over the main highway and right down to the beach. We can park right there. We can walk the beach. We can walk to two or three restaurants within a couple of minutes. And um, we're also a 10-minute drive to three major grocery stores that have got anything and everything except really good black licorice. And I can't find black licorice here anywhere, and I love black licorice. Oh, it's always something. (laughs) I hear you. I do have friends bring me down my Tetley tea bag, so I'm okay that way. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. They're light. (laughs) So we pay 25,000 pesos a month for our rental. Now, on top of that, we pay all the bills and all the maintenance. So it it can get... Okay, so you didn't buy that that place. Okay. We're just renting, yeah. Got you. Okay, and is it a, a homeowners association type of situation, or they're all in just individually individual lots? That- yes and yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So to be able to divide the lots up the way that the lady wanted, they had to do a strata or whatever you want to call it, homeowners association. Yeah, I like a homeowners association. A regime. They call them a, a, a condo regime, even if they're not condos, I believe. Right. But in actual fact, the neighbors kind of get together every now and then and say, hey, we need that pothole fixed. Yeah, okay, we'll fix that pothole. Gotcha. And so it's, uh, it's not like here's the rules and the regulations and you have to do this and you have to do that. It's none of that. So in gotcha. that respect, it's great. Plus, I'm a renter, so I'm not involved. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I was going to say. And then it's, well, that's a huge yeah, plus. Yeah, if, if you don't like it, um, you can always leave. Awesome. Well, I think this is a good time. Oh, I I was going to just take a a quick break and come right back to you. So, okay. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castillito caribe.com we look forward to seeing you soon integrity vacation property management trust truth results from buyers representative services to rental market analysis staging marketing and full service property management achieving your goals is our top priority Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, 
Raising the Bar in Vacation Property Management. Okay, and I am back with Barbara Harris, and um, just loving this story and and all the different places you've been, and um, you've been like Goldilocks, you know, right? This one's too small. This one's too soft. This one, and you, it sounds like you finally found your perfect fit um, in your your Goldilocks story. So I love that. I think so, and I think a, a key that people need to know when they rent down here, especially if they rent from nationals, is that you're expected to do the maintenance. Yes, good point. Absolutely yeah. good point. Right yeah. changing the There's light no calling the landlord and saying, hey, the screen drawer broke. You need to come fix it. No. Like that's on you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that, that's a real important key, I think, for people looking to come down and to rent and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that. So yeah. And I don't know if I told you when we chatted last time, but we took two months the first year we were here and we drove the interior of Mexico and spent a week in all these different cities. Good for you. Oh, I love it. I know. And and you weren't afraid? Not at all. Okay. Why Um, weren't you afraid? There's a lot of fear out there. So um, were you uh, just, I mean, did you like, research the places that you're going to and you just felt comfortable that that it was okay or um in hindsight should you have been fearful i mean tell tell me about that uh that well um we're seniors in a big old gray van who cares right um mexican plates did you have mexican license plates no not at that point oh okay (laughs) interesting and we still had our canadian driver's licenses as well Okay. Now we have timeshare. So I did research and found eight units that were available in the interior that we could drive from one to the next. So we spend a week at each location. Okay. So I kind of knew that where we were, the, the lodging was safe. Okay. And we still had to drive from place to place. So that's kind of, you know, but no, in fact, the only trouble we ran into was we got a flat tire. And when we went to get our car, some Mexican gentleman came and said, you know, you've got a flat tire. And I went back into our suite, or I think I just went in the lobby. And Wayne went with them, and they took him, and they helped him. And it ended up costing five Canadian dollars. Yeah. Like, and he tipped both of these guys like 20 pesos, which is like, what a buck. Right. And they were thrilled. They said, oh, no, 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 they didn't need anything. But we did. So, yeah. you know, um, we didn't run into any trouble. And I guess the one thing is, I don't think that there's anything to worry about. So I don't worry about it. So I don't attract that into my life. I'm so glad you said that, Barbara. I, I agree 110%. I really think that's true. And um, yeah, in fact, in my, my workshop, um, the third day is that topic, the topic of fear right. and sort of what's, what's, what are they fearing? You know, the fear of the unknown or is it, you know, what, what's driving that? But um, yeah, for sure. And it's, I loved your plan where you, you had your places to stay and you, you were completely comfortable with that. And that's part of what I teach too, is if you have a plan, right, you take a lot of the guesswork out of it. And so you don't really have that fear of the unknown because it's known, right? Right. The only that um, Acapulco wasn't our favorite place. No, we didn't have it either. It's, 
as long as you stayed on the beach side and minded your own business or you were out in the water, it's quite beautiful and wonderful. But we went into town once to drive around and we just, we were uncomfortable. So when we're uncomfortable, we know it and we get out and we don't, we don't do that. It's the radar, right? The, I, I agree with you 100%. And actually, um, yeah, we, we, we sailed there. So we were anchored um, and it was kind of real sketchy. But yeah, the energy, it, yes. the energy was not, not good. Um, and we right. didn't really experience that in many of the other places that we, we uh, stayed. Right. So that's a, that to me is one of the best things you got going for you, right? Is that radar that goes up. When I do my teaching, I always say, the one person person that is always, always, always right is your gut. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you always listen to your intuition, what's telling you from inside. It's always right. Amen. Um, you're you're spot on with that. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about. So I was trying to keep track because <laughs> you've been to different places. <laughs> so you did purchase in Mexico at least once or twice. How many? Twice. Two times. Okay. Okay, twice. And um, I know some people have concerns about that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like? And if you had any reticence about that, or, you know, you do it again in a heartbeat, it sounds like you did well with rehabbing these places and probably right. be able to yeah. sell we them. We did really well with both of the homes. Um, I think the key thing is to talk to quite a few people and get references. So they've had actual experiences, not somebody they drink with in the pub, yes. but somebody yes. where they have actually, um, you know, gone through the process. And <clears throat> one of the things that we find here in Mexico is that um, the rules and the regulations can change in a heartbeat, can change by who you're talking to, and can change by what office you're in. So if you go to one immigration office, you can get a different answer in the next immigration office, same day. Um, you know, so we really felt it was important that we had a really good lawyer and a really good notary. And I'm sure I've got this right. Correct me if I'm wrong. But in Mexico, the notaries are the most important and then the judge and then the lawyer. Is that correct? I don't know about the pecking order, but I do know that the notaries are lawyers that are government appointed for those notarial yeah. positions. And they yeah. basically control that whole process. Right. Yeah. So a lawyer has to use a notary. Yes, right? that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. So I think that's the big key is to make sure that you have people that have got a really good reputation. Four or five people can say, yes, I did this here. See, I bought this. I sold this. I didn't have any problems. Um, that doesn't mean you're not going to run into problems there. You know, I know people that have bought property, been through a good lawyer, been through a good notary, done all of the work, done everything they're supposed to got halfway through. And somebody shows up and says, Hey, this is my property, right? You can't do this. So uh, there's no real 100% guarantees, but at the same time, would I do it again? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, and I think that's, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, in my, I have a real estate program and one of the things that, you know, I, I, I say is, you know, you wouldn't fork over a hundred grand to a guy you met in a bar 
in Canada or the United States, why on earth would you think it's okay to do that in Mexico? Like there is a legal process that you need to go through and follow to make sure you you're not going to get ripped off. Otherwise you are just asking for trouble. Exactly. And I, and you know, like it's the same thing when we go out and travel, you know, we, we'd, I'd be nervous in Canada if I got into the wrong places or drove in the wrong areas, you know? So, um, we don't really find it a whole lot different, like safety wise or, or that, you know, now, um, I don't know if you talk about the fight of Camiso at all. Yes. Yeah. I kind of explain all of that in there. And, and some people are not comfortable with that. Um, but I, as a lawyer for sure was because any financial planner, at least in the United States, I I can't speak for Canada, but any, any financial planner worth their salt will always have you put your real estate into a trust for estate planning purposes, right. To avoid probate and, and all of that. So the, the fact that Mexico requires, you know, foreigners to hold their property in a trust is, you know, is fine. Like like I would have wanted to do it that way anyways. Um, But it does, it can spook people away um, about that, but there's nothing nefarious about it at all. Right. And, and the trust, I think you just have to have within, is it 50 miles of a border? Yeah, it's it's uh, or the the um, ocean, uh, ocean front properties. Hundred. Tom says a hundred kilometers. So yeah, it's about fifty from the coast. Okay, so a hundred from the border and, and fifty. Um, so yeah, but that uh, yeah, that's fine. So needless to say, where ours is. But anyway, uh, and there's a, a story I won't go into. But basically, we know some Mexicans who did not have their property in trust, and are in the middle of a land dispute that had they owned their property in a trust, it probably would not have happened. Uh, Forgery involved and so forth, because the trust does add an extra layer of protection for somebody that tried to do some funny business um, on the the title. So um, yeah, there's that. Yeah. And in, in both cases, our buying was painless. In both cases, our selling was painless. In fact, the condo, on the golf course that we renovated, there was somebody looking at a at one of the condos in our building, and a friend of mine said, "Oh, are you looking to buy in here? My friend's selling." And she brought her up to them up to my place, and they ended up buying. So we went directly to the lawyer and said, "We want you to process this. We don't yes. want to do it." You know? And and it was fine, no problem. So um, really, a for sale by owner uh, situation there. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd been through it before. So there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about um, because I know it's a, it's a big deal. Um, I've been through multiple, I think this is, this was my fourth move to a completely new area that I really didn't know anyone. And you talked about um, the worst part about moving was losing the friends that you had made that the community. So tell, tell us any tips that you might have for meeting new people and how you were able to assemble such a nice um, network of, of friends. Well, it's, it's funny cause I, I did it differently in the different places. So I guess I just took advantage of what was available. So when we first moved down, we were in Progresso and I went to the farmer's market and I met Canadians and Americans and other English speaking people. And I said, Oh, I'm doing a barbecue on Sunday night. I'm making the hamburgers and hot dogs, bring a side and a bottle of wine. And I gave them my little card with our address on. And then I'd sort of keep track of the people that I connected with and felt like I wanted to be their friend. 
and I'd invite them again. And the people that didn't really meld, I just let them drift away. And that's how I built it up. And we, <laughs> we got to the point where we actually had to start saying no to dinners out because we just couldn't eat and drink that much. So parties, I love it. You are definitely a woman after my own heart. I love it. Throw parties. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's a great way to meet people. In fact, I have to tell Tom reminded me of, uh, of some friends of ours that we met at the marina uh, when we were living there. And he would have church on Sundays at the marina, which is, was basically just Bloody Marys at 11 o'clock. <laughs> But with fellowship, of course. And so uh, we would joke uh, that, you know, he was the pastor and, you know, there was no um, politics uh, allowed to be discussed or religion, I think. I don't know. Well, we were at church, so we had the religion thing going for us. So we didn't really need to talk about that. Um, but yeah, it just, it was growing and growing and growing and growing and, and, you know, word would get out. And so, you know, you'd end up with like 25 people for um, Bloody yeah. Marys in church on Sunday. And uh, it's a great way to, well, and of course, you know, sailors um, <laughs> right. like to congregate like that anyway. But um, that's right. And the farmer's market. Yeah. Great place to meet, meet people. And then um, when we moved here, we, of course, we were in a gated community. So we met a lot of the people around the pool and that. So that was one way. And then when we moved into the marina area down Puerto Vallarta way, uh, there was a lady there that had an expat group and she would do dinners and um, happy hours. And so we met up and met up that way and met a lot of people through that. So, yes. Now, I've also run goddess retreats down here. Oh, okay. And so I met people through, you know, needing um, spiritual guides to come and do some of the meditations or the ceremonies and that type of thing. So I met people through that way as well. Uh, through the retreats yeah sure when you're organizing them you you meet lots of of people and vendors and service providers and and so forth not to mention right. the guests that come and then didn't you tell me um you also were involved with theater that's right yes <laughs> okay so community theater has been my passion for my whole life and um i really missed it when i was in um progresso except that they have a magnificent theater in Merida and, and an outstanding um, symphony. So we used to get season tickets to the symphony and we'll go to the symphony. And that's the other thing I really missed coming over here. Yeah. But I did discover there was a fair amount of live theater here. So I kept going to this one live theater and I'd say, who's in charge? You know, and I'd say, I'd like to direct. I've, I've got experience. I'd like to direct. Finally, they phoned me and said, we need a director. And I'm like, no, really? <laughs> so I ended up directing two of their productions, which were sellouts. And I'm very proud of that. And then uh, one young lady that was in my play wanted to direct. And I said, well, if you direct, I will assist you and, and mentor you. So, yeah. Wow. And that's another great way to, to meet people too, obviously, is, is uh, a common interest like that. 
Um, cool. Well, you have just such a fascinating story and I'm just like so excited to be able to connect with you. Um, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do have a final question that I would like to ask that I usually do like to ask is, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like to share? Um, I, I, I guess really, I guess one of the things was when I came down here, I envisioned being part of the Mexican community and we studied Spanish and, um, that, that was important to us. Well, it turns out that their culture is so different than ours that as seniors, it wasn't something that was easy to work into. For example, they tend to sleep in till 10 o'clock. They have their big meal around two and then they sleep for two hours. And then all of the family, including all the little children, get together for meals quite late in the evening, nine or 10 o'clock. And as seniors, you know, at 65, you're, you're like, oh, my God, uh, you know, it's 9 o'clock. I want my tea and my toast. It's noon. I'm hungry for my salad. You know, it's 6 o'clock. It's dinner time, you know. And when they're ready to have their dinner and socialize, I'm ready to put my jammies on and have my game of cards or watch my movie and go to bed. So, um, you know, I did make... Um, Mexican friends, and they were way more Americanized Uh than than sort of the other people. Uh, So we do have some Mexican friends, and I love that. Um, My Spanish is not good enough to carry on a full conversation, but I can get by with understanding what's being talked about and getting help and, and that type of thing. So there was that. And the other thing is lots and lots of people ask about the medical system down here. And I think that's a huge key. Um, We did at the beginning purchase the government insurance, which is extremely affordable, but there's a reason for that. Sure. Um, You know, we would go in for an appointment and there would be swabs on the floor with blood on it. Um, they did a mammogram for me and they took the gown off the shelf, the hook that everybody else ahead of me had worn. Mm. Um, there were things that just, you know, weren't really in my comfort zone. Sure. I'm not saying necessarily they're wrong. I'm just saying it wasn't in my comfort zone. Gotcha. Now that was 1200 Canadian dollars a year for both my husband and I as seniors, which was extremely affordable. And all your meds were free, like everything was included, dentists and everything. But again, you know, my husband went into the dentist and he said to me, Barbie, you won't go in there. Right. <laughs> so I didn't even go in. I don't know what it was like, but I didn't. So we have private medical insurance and the private hospitals here, I think, are superior to Canada and the United States. Now, that's only my opinion. Whether I'm I, right or wrong. I've heard that from others as well. So um, I mean, um, I had a, a huge uh, internal problem. And um, 
I phoned a friend and she gave me his name and number of his office. Um, we were still on the road heading home and we got in on a Saturday and on a Monday, this surgeon saw me. Wow. Uh, he, he walked, he, the surgeon walked me downstairs to where I needed to get the tests done, set me up to have the tests done, um, said, you know, and showed me the girl that would give me the reports and told me to come back up to him when I had the reports. I got all the reports that same day. Wow. I went back upstairs and he reviewed everything with me, told me what needed to be done, reviewed his calendar and said, I can do this either on Friday or Monday. I said, I'd like to get it done as soon as possible. So I went into him. I went in. He said, well, if you come into town, because we were in Progresso and Merida was like 35, oh. 40 minutes away to the hospital. He said, if you come in on the Thursday night, it will be less expensive if you stay in the hotel across the street and I'll give you the meds to get started, which he did. Wow. He came over himself to the hotel suite, set my husband and I up with what I needed to do. And the next morning when I arrived at 8 o'clock at the hospital, he was there. He met me. He took me through the process. And then when I was going into surgery, before I went into the operating room, he brought the staff and introduced them to me. I know. Wow. Everything was spotlessly clean, all their uniforms were spotlessly clean all of the equipment was modern and up-to-date and unbelievable um they let once i was ready they let my husband come in and walk me down to where i went into the sterilization area the sterilized area and they let him wave and they took me through three rooms to get me sterilized to get into the operating room uh and then when I was done, the surgeon gave us his card and wrote his home phone number and his cell number and said, you need anything, you phone me. Wow. What a story. And that was major surgery that I had. I had half of my large intestines removed. I had a cyst removed and I had my appendix removed. Wow. And all of that care, love, attention, whatever was 12 thousand Canadian dollars. Wow. So was that, that was, so that was not including insurance. So, so you, that was, you didn't have, I did not, I did that privately and paid. Gotcha. Okay. And now, and now we have private insurance and it's very expensive because I'm 69, Wayne's 75 and we have pre-existing conditions, but we're covered and we, and we pay cash for private things just because it's yeah. more in our personal comfort zone. Sure. So um, is that a plan that just covers you in Mexico or is that outside? Is it a global plan or, or what? It's type a of- global plan minus the United States. I have that too. Um, yeah. I, maybe it's not the same. I have IMG is the company. Yeah, Vumi. What is it? Vumi. Vumi. Okay. Not familiar with that one. Um, Okay. Yeah. But um, I I don't, what do you, how do you define very expensive? If you don't mind my asking. Well, as Canadians, it's 9,000 Canadian dollars a year. Okay. Okay. Um, Which is seniors on pensions is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. For both of you. So, yeah. So I have um, mine is $110 a month 
for for me, but I'm not 60 yet. So it, it right. may go up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then Tom, we just have on Medicare in the US and he has coverage on there. So we figured if, if something happened, he would, you know, right. go back there. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a question that comes up um, to a lot of right. people. And, um, you know, d- depending on, on what your comfort, I mean, for years in the United States, I just um, felt like the best healthcare plan is health, right? And so I just wanted catastrophic coverage. And even back then we said, you know, we could handle a $10,000 hit. We couldn't handle a $100,000 hit. And so right. we just, you know, don't take any prescription meds. We don't have any health issues. And so it's like, you know, you eat well, you sleep right. well, and, and all of that. And then you have yeah. something there in case for big stuff, but you're not shelling out all of this money for things you're really and that's basically where we are now with, yeah. with what we have which is which is great and like you said like we take care of ourselves yeah. you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah awesome well thank you for sharing that I, I really appreciate that because it is something um that people care about and and are concerned about and um yeah I, I go into a lot of that uh the care issue uh, there's a there's a big um, fallacy about that. That's one of the myths that I bust is that oh the healthcare is not as good overseas. Well, that's just flat out not true um, at all. So you've you've confirmed that, and um, I've heard that. Well, a lot of the a lot of the private hospitals here are also training hospitals for people for doctors coming down from Canada, the United States, and England. Yes. Absolutely. And vice versa. A lot of the doctors here have trained in, you know, the US and Canada and, 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 and even, you know, Europe, other countries as well. And they're bilingual and, you know, they're as competent as, as they come. So um, it is nice to, to have that. So yeah. Very good. All right. Well, thank you so much for this interview. I am just uh, delighted to um, be able to connect with you and and share your story. And um, gosh, I really want to come visit. I mean, it sounds like you have a really <laughs> nice place there, and and you can Anytime. come visit Isla Mujeres. And yeah, maybe we'll do a little little swap here. Um, love All right. all right well you enjoy the rest of your day and i will talk to you soon okay thank you very much don have an awesome day you too this episode of the overseas life redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors thanks for tuning in did you love this episode of the overseas life redesign podcast then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.